Welcome to That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann. That Weekend Feeling podcast is brought to you each and every Friday by the Weekend Post and the Daily Dispatch Weekend Edition. For more details, go to heraldlive.co.za and dispatchlive.co.za. Enter the Daily Dispatch Winner Car Competition and you could drive away in the new seven-seater Suzuki Ortiga 1.5 GA. The competition closes on the 21st of November 2021 and an entry form is printed in the Daily Dispatch every day. The more you enter, the luckier you get. Get your copy of the Daily Dispatch and enter now. Winner Car, proudly brought to you by Daily Dispatch and Ronnie's Motors. Now, there could scarcely be a rugby fan on planet Earth who isn't familiar with the name Mark Keoane. He's an analyst, an author, a publisher, founder and owner of Highbury Safika Media, founder and owner of the hugely popular rugby website keo.co.za, and also, for a spell, media officer for SA Rugby. That is one hell of a CV, Mark. Where do you find time to drop the kids off at school? Well, it's now between changing nappies because I've got a three-month-old and I've got an 18-year-old. So from a matric final exam, back to changing some nappies. So yeah, kind of make do. But it's a very, very busy schedule that you run, let's be honest. Yeah, but also an exciting one. I mean, I, I think both of us are very blessed to be in the industries that we're in, uh, be it in media and also with a big focus on sports. So never a dull day, never a boring day, and especially when it comes to South African sport, be it rugby, be it cricket and soccer. Uh, the adventure, The adventure never ends. On to matters at hand, we're going to talk rugby. The Springboks kick off their year-end tour of the Northern Hemisphere with a match against Wales tomorrow. What do you expect? Bearing in mind, we have to be wary of a Welsh backlash after they were soundly beaten by the All Blacks last weekend. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Wales have been a very interesting team for us. Uh, it took them close on 100 years to get a win against us, and they've, they've won six of the, five of the last six uh, matches they played against us. The two wins we got were 2015 at the World Cup in the quarterfinal, and obviously the big one, 2019 semi-final, 1916. They could have gone either way with a couple of minutes to go. They are uh, struggling at the moment. Uh, they they they're struggling with injuries. They're struggling with some avail- unavailability of players. I I thought they were courageous against the All Blacks for an hour, but totally outclassed. Um, uh, I don't see the team as being a hell of a lot stronger than the one that they put out last weekend. Uh, they've, they've added a bit to, to the back three. Um, but I I just think that we will win. We will win comfortably, but we won't put them away that like the All Blacks do. We're not that kind of team. You know, we, we're not going to go there, and I, I doubt we can get to a 50-pointer. But I think a comfortable win, and when I look at the, the Springbok side selected, I really do like the bench, and uh, we saw that with the All Blacks. They had a very powerful bench that came on and just and blew them away with their backs in the last 20 minutes. I think our pack will, will really demolish them in that last 20, 25 minutes. So I think we will start well and it will be a comfortable win. Our starting 15, as many as four changes made to the box side from the team that beat New Zealand last time out. What do you make of the changes? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, some of them are enforced uh, through unavailability and, and injury. Uh, I'm glad that uh, Herschel Jankis is getting a start. You know, he really needs to, to get game time uh, and to mature his game. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Fussy fan, and uh, it's been one of the big disappointments for me this year that Fussy hasn't got game time. He scored after 36 seconds against Georgia. He scored another great try uh, when they played Argentina in your in neck of the woods. And it's the things that he does. You know, he really has X factor. And you just look at the two tries he scored in two test matches. It's, it's two tries that other winners potentially wouldn't have scored. So when I look at um, a side like New Zealand that plays a guy like Will Jordan and kind of his leapfrog guys have been there for a while, 
I, I just I just hope us he does get a game, be it against Scotland or against England, and it's not a another month spent on tour with no game time and that they the earmarking for 2022. So outside of him, I think they've pretty much gone with with the standard fare. And I know that they also they do like them the Malcolm Marks um Stephen Kitzoff kind of combination to come off the bench and close out a game. Uh and Dwayne Famille starting um uh with Visa coming off the bench as well. Uh, if there was going to be a variation potentially in the midfield, you could have played around with a with a Pollard at 12 uh, or, or, a, or a Yankees at 10, Pollard at 12. That can still come into play during the game. But surprise, no fussy. And then very surprised that Jesse Curley's on the win. You know, he's had one outing in 2015. He struggled uh, six years on. To me, he's an out and out 13. Uh, you play him there or you don't play him at all. Scotland and England are looming large after the Wales clash. England in particular will be looking for revenge after the Rugby World Cup final a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I think uh, our public will see it as it's, it's you know, it's the, it's the revisiting, the rematch of uh, 2019. Eddie Jones has said it's emphatically not. He's moved on. He's building towards 2023. I'm quite interested to see the side that they picked to play a very, very uh, understrength. Tonga took 60-point beating against Scotland and, and conceded 102 points against the All Blacks early in the year. I thought they would have gone with Marcus Smith at, uh, at 10 as he's on the bench. Owen Farrell does start at 10 again. So th- they spoke a lot about the impact that Marcus Smith will have, how he's done for Harlequins in the last uh, year, the the cameo that he played when he played against the Stormers for the British and Irish Lions. So th- that one did surprise me. Uh, England at home are always going to be tough at Twickenham, uh, but Scotland is a very good side. And um, playing at home... Uh, they'll be dangerous uh, in the last two years. They've been the one team that has upstaged France at Murrayfield. And also they went to Paris last year. And uh, it was a game that France had to win to win the Six Nations and they lost. So I think of the three games, Saturday will be the easiest. Uh, we will, and we always, you know, we've had the odd big win at, at Murrayfield. But other than that, we've uh, we've always really battled, especially against uh, the forwards that they put out and the kind of style of play. And Gregor Townsend is a very good coach. And then the 20th will be the finale. You know, it's our last test of the year. A few of the boys are staying on to play in a Barbarians game. But there will be a lot uh, right in that game for England in the sense that uh, it's it's the first time that they get to play since that humiliation, that 32-12 humiliation. So it's a very it's going to be a very tough uh, last fortnight to the season. And it's been a hell of a long season for our guys. I think they, they're away 18 weeks uh, internally and abroad, in a bubble, in uh, quarantine, in isolation. Uh, they spent 10 days in France and now away for another three weeks. I think the boys will be however pleased uh, to take a bit of a break over December. And then as obviously into the United, United Rugby Championships, uh, uh, they'll be integrated back into that come the end of January. There's been universal criticism of the Bok tactics this year. Surely the point is to win the match so you play to your strengths. Isn't that what they've been doing? Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in uh, there is a certain DNA to the Springbok game and it's and it's it's very much what we saw in the World Cup and what we've seen this year. Uh, there's this obsession with the All Blacks. Uh, they're a fantastic team. They are the Harlem Globetrotters of World Rugby. No one plays like they do and no one can play like they do. And when teams are trying to play like they do, they take a big beating. You know, we go back a couple of years ago when we tried to embrace an all-encompassing attack game and we took 57 points on successive matches against them. Australia this year tried to play them at a similar game. They took a beating in three successive test matches. I think the way we play suits our strengths. I think it's fantastic for World Rugby that you've got a team like South Africa that can play that way. You've got a team like New Zealand that plays the way they do. You know, New Zealand scored 89 tries in the test matches this year. They've got three matches to go. Uh, they probably get that e- close to that 11 against Italy this weekend. 
they could only score one against South Africa in that centenary test. And, uh, you know, it was three tries to two in the in the second test. And no points separated the two teams over two tests. And I think our South African public need to look at that and say, hell, we've got something special in the way we play that we can negate an all-black attack like that. And there's a place for both teams in, in world rugby's landscape. You know, it's if everyone played like South Africa or everyone played like the All Blacks, it would be a hell of a boring contest. So I'm a huge believer you play to your strengths. Uh, you pick uh, uh, South Africa's way of playing when they've been successful is they pick a big, strong, dominant pack, uh, very good halfbacks. And we tend to be more dangerous without the ball than with the ball. And we rely on, on fantastic defense, scrambling defense, and good counter-attack. And there's nothing wrong with that if it works. And it works for us. We won a British and Irish Lions series. We won the World Cup. Uh, we won a rugby championship. And we've beaten the All Blacks uh, twice in the last four years doing so. Once in New Zealand and obviously uh, just a couple of months ago in Australia. I have to ask you, Russia Erasmus versus World Rugby, and in fact much of the rugby establishment worldwide, you've got strong thoughts on this. Yeah, I've got strong thoughts about referees who take no accountability and cock it up every 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 week and they get given out a test match. I mean, last weekend Russia Erasmus spent the, the weekend in a in a hearing uh, for supposedly leaking a video, forget the contents of the video, and the guy at the guy who was the focal point, the Australian referee Nick Berry, was uh the prancing around at Murrayfield referee in Scotland against Tonga. He shouldn't be on a rugby field, uh, let alone refereeing international rugby, when he gets 23 of the 26 decisions wrong in the space of 35 minutes. That means every 90 seconds he was ruling an incorrect decision against South Africa, according to that video. So uh, I think it was time that someone spoke out. Uh, if, you know, the, the, I, of course, call them the old boys club within world rugby. No one, no one is allowed to uh, sacrilege to speak out against the referee. You've got to take it on the chin. But too many big games these days have been decided by incompetence uh, or by bias for whatever reason. You know, Romain Point uh, in 2017 awarded New Zealand a penalty in the last minute of the game, which would have won them the series. Uh, he overturned that decision and four years later admitted that he got it wrong. Uh, and yet he destroyed the change room afterwards in an outburst, uh, but got a, a message from World Rugby to say wrong decision, but right result. Thanks. So as Steve Hansen said, that really troubled him that that World Rugby would send a referee a message like that. And it's and it was very similar in that first test against um, the Lions, where we got such a raw a series of raw decisions from Nick Berry. And it needed something dramatic, like a 62 minute video to get the right decisions made in the second and the third test. And I tell you now, if that video hadn't gone out, it hadn't been leaked to the world media, we probably would have lost that series 3-0 through a series of refereeing interpretations. And we would have said for the next 12 years, well, it's bad luck, it swings in roundabouts. It doesn't swing in roundabouts. If the referee is incompetent, expose him or her and get them out of the game. If a player is not good enough, he gets dropped. If a coach is not good enough, he gets axed. The same has to apply to referees. And in a professional game, we really, really, World Rugby really needs to kind of up its game and, and make those referees accountable. Well, I think this is the part that I find problematic. How many rugby pundits and administrators worldwide are outraged by the unwritten law of not criticising match officials not being adhered to, but have less concern for the written laws of the game not being adhered to by referees? We live in an age of professional referees, assistant referees, TMOs, multiple television angles. There's some irony at play there. Completely. And I mean, uh, one of the big things that Rassi Rasmus said was he's not nitpicking. He said he's pointing out what the referee was looking at and getting it wrong. So he's he's accepting that in 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 a game of rugby with all its complexities and uh, variety of laws that he's not going to get he or she's not going to get it right all the time. 
But if you take that Hamish Watson uh, spear tackle, he was looking straight at him when it happened. Nothing more than a penalty. Uh, that's the yellow card minimum anywhere in the world and has been for the last five years. So it's those decisions that are blatantly wrong. You're getting, uh, if you take that second test and it took 62 minutes to complete that first half and they went to several referrals, they got every decision right. So there was no complaints about the, the end result. And if you look at the top uh, professional codes, especially in North America, who have always set the standard in terms of professionalism, they go to every referral to make sure that the, the, the result at the end is down to the ability of one team over the other team, not because of refereeing incompetence or because of human error, as, as our World Rugby and affiliate bodies like to say, he's only, he or she's only human. That, that really doesn't wash when you've got two uh, TMO, you've got a TMO, you've got two assistants and, and a variety of cameras all around. Uh, there's no reason for them to get big decisions wrong. And that needs to be exposed. And you can't keep on giving a referee a 95% pass when, when so many, so many matches, uh, the most, the biggest talking point is the person who's number 31 and they should be the person who's the least spoken about. Sure. What has happened though, since the Rassi Rasmus video is that there's been a very different uh, approach to the South African side um, that referees are very aware, you know, and uh, if you look at uh, at the, the matches in the rugby championship, uh, South Africa lost uh, because they, you know, they were, they, they were poorly, they played poorly in the last 20 minutes in Australia uh, in that second test and they uh, they conceded a penalty which was a bit, could have gone either way again in the in the last minute. They lost to New Zealand side in the last uh, in the last minute uh, through an error, and they won uh, through forcing an error. So there was no complaints about the referee, and I think a lot of good has come out of it. Whatever the punishment's going to be to Rassi, I don't know, but I fancy it's going to be a case of World Rugby trying to save face, of World Rugby giving him a slap on the wrist at the end of this month, knowing that there's no international rugby till next June, and giving him some. It's going to be smoke and mirrors. It's going to look like he's got some big sentence or fine, but he's actually going to get nothing done to him. We're going to leave it there. It's been a pleasure having you on that weekend feeling this morning, Mark Keohane. Many thanks and have yourself a good day. That was That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann. Each one of us has a story to tell and a story to share. A story that deserves to be heard. A story that inspires, motivates, and gives people a reason to keep going. A story about our triumphs as individuals and as a team. A story about our humble beginnings and what the future holds for us. A story about our heritage and that which brings us together. It is these stories that connect us. The Herald. Whatever you live for, we live to tell that story for you.